adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences on all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Question episode. So um, we thought we'd do a question episode and what I like about today's set of questions is that they're a little more personal-ish. Like they kind of dig a little bit more into me and Danielle's past. Um, So yeah, let's get it started. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, I'll take the first one. Um, What is the first thing you auditioned for and got? Okay. So we were just talking about this before we started recording. Um, I remember, so I remember the first thing I got, but I remember going in on an audition when I, I think was around the same age, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was before or after and I didn't get it. I remember I had to sing I was like seven or eight years old. I didn't have any vocal training. Not cute. Anyway, but the first thing I got was um, the Rockland Youth Dance Ensemble, which works in conjunction conjunction with Coupe Dance Studio, which is the dance studio I went to growing (laughs) up. Um, They do a production of the Nutcracker every single year. It's actually, honestly, a beautiful, beautiful production. They usually get a couple of professional ballerinas from New York City Ballet or um, ABT to come in and do the pas de deux. Um, Like one year we had Ethan Stifle do it. But before I started training at that studio, I was at a different studio at the time and they had an open call for children dancers for their rock and youth ensemble production of The Nutcracker. And so um, my mom saw it in something I honestly want to say it was in the paper because I was in second grade so it was the 90s um and I went and I don't remember the audition but I remember I got it and I was a mouse and um it was super fun I got to work with like a bunch of kids who were like uh mostly a little bit older than me but like around my age um it was awesome seeing like like being part of the Nutcracker. That was like when my love of the Nutcracker began. Yes. Um, and it was just like really awesome. And then I, after that experience, a, a, couple, of, a, a couple of years after that experience uh, was when I actually switched dance studios and started going to Coupe. But what about you? So for me, it's crazy like thinking back to it. It was in middle school. I, I wanna say, sixth or seventh grade I don't I know that it was not eighth grade because I had not made it my mind yet that I wanted to do theater or perform or anything like that and that happened in eighth grade I know that for sure so the sixth or seventh grade and it was a school talent show ran by the drama teacher um and I sang first you had to audition again because they wanted to make sure people like where everything was appropriate, of course, in the set. And so I don't even remember what I sang for the audition, but for the actual talent show, I sang Ain't No Sunshines When She's Gone. Um, I sang acapella, because I had no idea about tracks or anything like that. And I actually took second place in the competition. But I just remember like being so nervous that like my legs were shaking and I felt like I was like gonna throw up, but I, I didn't. As far as I remember, I don't think I did. Um, 
I'm sure that trophy is probably still sitting somewhere in my parents' house somewhere, honestly. Uh, yeah. That was a fun memory. Like, yeah, I've not thought about that in a very long time. Yeah, but that's where it all started. Like, that... Like, yeah, and that was just a fluke. Like, I don't remember why I even auditioned. Like, I don't remember who put me up to it or, it, like... Yeah, I don't, I don't recall any of that. Like, I have no memory of how that happened at all. And then, like, cut to two years later, I'm, like, in a dra the drama program my ninth grade year. But, like, yeah, that was insane. That's crazy. Oh, nice memories. Okay, so question number two is, would you rather dance in a ballet company or a jazz company? I mean, that's, ooh, it's jazz. I do enjoy ballet companies more than I did when I was a child. Um... But there's two jazz companies in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is a big jazz company scene. And there is one that starts with a G, and I'm forgetting it, and they are so big. Oh, Giordano? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, they, I love their work. And, I, there's, and then the Joel Hall dancers. I don't know if Joel Hall is still, that company is still active. Um, but I worked with one of my college professors that took, I took jazz from, Jimmy. He was trained by Joel Hall, and I love their I love their their mix of like street club dancing, and then it's like full on like classical jazz. Like it was a very, I think I do teach a lot. I learned a lot from him in that Joel Hall style of just kind of blending of like dances you would do in the club to like full on technique. So I think that's where I lean towards, just because like. Yeah, I, ballet has always been like, I need the technique, but it's not my first love. What about you? Because you started um, it. I, think, I think it would have to be a jazz company as well. Um, I love going to ballets. I love seeing ballets. I did crazy ballet intensives with top-notch companies growing up. But at the end of the day, I have this like love-hate relationship with ballet, and I just like love jazz, and there's so many different styles of jazz. So, um, And I think it just suits my body better. Same, because I will say the, the big issue I've always had with ballet is that it doesn't accommodate well to the individual. You yeah. accommodate to the style, and I'm going to put my phone on silent. Um, <laughs> you accommodate to ballet, and ballet doesn't accommodate to you, which is like, I get that. Like, I'm fine with that, but I, I like it when the style of dance fits the person better. Mm -hmm. Our next question have you ever been sick during a run of a show? What do you do? Did you call out? Um, I mean, it depends, right? So like, yeah, if you're really sick during a run of a show, um, you should definitely call out, right? There should always be understudies or swings or they should just be able to be in a position that the show will go on without you because yeah if you're really sick if you're running a crazy fever if you have the flu if you have shrap like no you should not be doing a show um i don't think i've ever called out there was a time when i was in in middle school and, and the beginning of high school i actually did like an educational um tour so i was like in the show that went to other schools and did like the assembly shows and I'm sure that there's a couple times where I ended up having to call out of those, um, but I don't remember. I do remember in college, I did have mono, and I was in a dance concert, and I, it was the end of my mono, and I still went and performed. Um, 
but I honestly think I did that because I was feeling better and it was only a cast of like six dancers. So I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, you're sick, you should call out. I've never called out. And there is a time in my life where I should have. And it was, I, I didn't necessarily have like a major sickness type of deal, but um, during my internship, I got incredibly run down. Like, I did a year-long internship, which I think I've talked about on the show in various stages, but like, um, generally speaking, um, I, w- I did a uh, sign up for a nine-month contract, and then they added the summer to it, so it ended up being a full, a full year contract at this theater company. And by, like, I think the new guy started in December, so about, like, by Jan, I went there in, like, June, by December, I was constantly, like, by the end of December, I was constantly sick, you know, like, I was, and it was just, I was so run down and fatigued that, like, the way the company was set up, like, you went from show to show to show to show to show. Um, I actually received my very first big injury uh, during this internship where I was actually on crutches. Um, and, like, I was in, literally, I remember being in physical therapy, wrapping up my physical therapy while being in rehearsals for our next show um, that fit closed out the season. And, like, it was a lot on my body. And I remember being on stage um, we were doing a vignette show where we introduced each of the pieces at, before the show started, uh, before the piece started. And I had the introduction line. It's like, uh, these were children's shows. So they, the vignettes were, introduction line were spread out among the cast. So right. when I got to my line. I remember saying my line, but like my voice cracking, like going out mid line. But this was halfway through the show. So I knew I had two more vignettes. And I was the lead in like the third or fourth vignette after this. So like my voice was like going in and out and we were all on stage in this like diagonal line. And I say my line and of course the kids all laugh because they think it's funny that he's doing a voice. The rest of my cast all turn and look at me because they're like, your voice is dying. I'm like, this is a three show day and this is show number one. And so we get through the show where I'm like, I am like, I'm forcing sound to come out. And we go, like, we get done with show number one, and, like, we all get off stage, you know, say goodbye to the kids or whatever. And everyone's looking at me like, how, what are we going to do? Like, you don't have a voice. And I was like, well, rotate in the understudies. And the understudies are like, our voices are also dying. Because, again, this is at the end of a year-long season. Everyone was just so run down. Yeah. That, like, literally, we had to, like, bring in our bosses, like, company management and all that stuff to be like, what do we do? And so, like, they didn't pull us from the show, but basically, like, we switched around the pieces we were doing to where I was on stage minimally, or if I was, I was not talking a lot. Um, right. It, like, it challenged that company where they no longer let the Apprentice Company do that long of a run. Because, mind you, out of that year, I was on tour for seven months out of those, out of those nine, twelve. Yeah, so, like, it was just a lot. So they literally had to change the company rules because of, like, how I started to, like, all of us started dropping, like, flies. So long story short, call out, call out, call out, take care of yourself. Like, it is not worth it. I regret pushing my body that hard because it made my recovery time that much longer. Like, I was sick for yeah. so long. Um, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, you got number four. 
Moving on, number four. How, yes, how do you deal with your friends booking things around you? I'm, my friends are booking concerts right now and I'm not getting anything and it sucks. That one is a tough one. Um, it's one of those things where like, I, I'm going to go a little hippy dippy for a second, guys. I, I'm one of those people that believes in a higher power and I'm one of those people that like, what is meant for me is meant for me and what is not meant for me is not meant for me. And that's how I've always tried to look at it because I definitely went through a phase where, very blessed, I went through a phase like this in high school where people were booking things and I were not. And like, so in professional land, it hasn't happened so much. Or if it has, I haven't been as aware of it or as noticed it because I've been booking things myself or I've had different things happen for me. Um, and it's also one of those things of like, what is what is meant for you is meant for you, but also what is right for you is right for you and what's right for them is not right for them. Yeah. Um, because I know like everyone has the dream of, you know, being a prima ballerina or being, you know, a lead on Broadway or starring in a big film or have you, but like not everyone is capable of those things. And I don't mean that like talent wise, I mean of the lifestyle that comes with that, you know, because to be a Broadway talent, you're doing eight shows a week minimum, you know, or to be a prima ballerina, your body must be this particular shape and style, you know? So I, I think you just kind of have to put it in perspective of being like, this just wasn't meant for me. Like this, this role, this part was not meant for me. This role, this part that's coming is going to serve me better, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, I'm with you, Tony. I definitely believe that, you know, there's a higher power, whatever you want to believe in, but it exists and you have to give out the vibes and the frequencies to, to get what you deserve. Um, but within that, I believe that, um, you know, you keep putting out your vibes, but I believe that like, yeah, what's meant, some things are meant for you and some things aren't. And even sometimes if something seems like it's meant for you, um, or it's going to be good for you, it ends up not. And so, um, I think that if you try to focus your energy around that and realizing that like you, you know, like what's out there for you will come. Um, I think that that is a great mindset to have. It doesn't mean that days still aren't going to be hard, but I think yeah. it's a better mindset to just kind of go like, nope, like I'm going to make it like my, my roles are out there. They're coming. I'm ready for them. When, and like, basically like when they appear, like I'm going to be prepared. Um, I will say and that I you think, have to be ready you know, I think for like that's a really hard thing to try to stay positive about as well. And like, of course, you're also allowed to be upset when you're not booking stuff and the people around you are. Um, I think that this is a twofold question because I think like, yes, you need to try to just like keep your frequency, keep your vibes high. You need to tell mm -hmm. yourself like, was it meant to be not right for me? We're moving on. You can cry, you can eat your ice cream, but you know what? Better things are coming. But I also think um, being happy for your friends, you know, is great. I think you can be happy for them, but also be sad. But I also think make sure that it's just like they're booking it and you're and and the way that they're acting is in a supportive way, right? So if you don't book something and they do, they're still supportive of you. 
Um, I think that if they, if it's a situation where everyone around you is booking stuff and it's becoming like a rub it in your face situation, then that's just time to let those people as human beings go, at least for this time in your life. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, yeah like it fucking <laughs> sucks. Like it definitely sucks. Like I've been there, like it definitely, it definitely sucks. But I think like you just kind of have to agree and believe in that. Like it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm with Dana. I don't want to negate the sucky part of it. I have had some ones that seriously burned that I did not get them. Like, didn't even get a call back for them. Didn't even get an interview for it, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that on a couple of those cases, I've been able to see, have hindsight on them. But there's a couple of gigs where I was like, oh, they made, they had you doing that? Oh, I would have never, that would have never worked for me. Or like, I would have totally hated that the entire time. Exactly. That, that has given me kind of perspective on it. Um, and also, I asked this very same question to a group of artists, actually, during my internship, that I really respect, I still respect a lot of them, and a lot of them are booking and working all over the place. But I asked them the very same question, and I remember one of them, uh, Janie Jones, I love her, beautiful uh, actress and singer. She said, like, if you keep going, like, you're eventually going to have auditions for so many things that, like, you don't even remember the stuff you didn't get. She's like, some of them are really going to sting, and she's like, some will stand out, but she's like, at the time, she's like, I've been in this business so long that, like, I can't tell you how many times I haven't got stuff, but she's like, those aren't the things I recall to later. She's like, like, six months down the line, you will have forgotten it, and you just hold on to the stuff that you did get, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of how I look at it too. Like it's true. Like when I look back over this, like I don't think about the stuff I didn't get. No, I think about the ones that like I did and I really loved. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Next one. Question number five. Uh, which which are your favorites? Jumps or turns, and why? Uh, mine are definitely jumps. I am a jumper. Um, I I'm just not a turner to be honest. Like I I've gotten um better and better as the years have gone on, right? As I continue to study dance growing up and into college and even still now, um, I more so love turning now, to be honest. Um, It's more fun to do now, but definitely like jumps are my thing. Always loved Petite petite Allegro and um, uh, Gran Allegro? Why does that not sound correct? You know what I'm talking about. At the end of ballet, where it's basically like Sasha, Potterbury, Glissade, Jeté across the floor five times. Um, Technically, it's Grand Allegro. Yeah, Grand Allegro. Yeah. And Petit Allegro. I've just, yeah, I've just always loved, um, I've always, I've always loved jumps. That's why. I'm not a turner. I like jumps better. So funny. I'm the complete opposite. I, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm complete opposite. I don't mind jumps, but I am a turner. Like, I, I've always been a turner. And I know, I know where it came from. My college professor, my co- like, and I, I know I've talked about this in the show. My college professor, she was a turner, and so she tested us on our turns. Like, she didn't test us on combos. She didn't test us on anything. It was our turns, and I hated it. And we always challenged her on it. She was like, if you can't turn, she's like, if things aren't aligned, like turning from center, why do I want to see you go across the floor during turns or during a combination? Like, mm-hmm. I want to see it all with you turning from center. And I used to hate it. Oh, God, I used to hate it. But then I, like, became a dance teacher and a choreographer, and I was like, she's absolutely right. Why am I wasting my time doing anything else? Turn at center. I can see it all. Um, 
yeah so i'm i'm a turner like it's because of her i've gotten my love of turns like it's it's also like i've started like turning challenges with my classes and stuff like that like under her i got to i don't want to say i'm at this now but the at, within class when i was training every week um i was turning doing pirouettes i was five on my right and four on my left like it was just but I don't know what I'm up to now. Some days I know I definitely when I'm on the leg, I could probably still do it. But yeah, no, definitely a turner. Just it's and, and I it's funny that with this question, like you find people that are like that. Like some people are like, I'm a jumper, I'm a turner. Like it just kinda dancers always kind of fall into either one. Yeah, for sure. You definitely do. Um, how many this is a very interesting question. How many gigs should you be booking a year? Before I answer i want to talk about where this gig this question came from okay. a friend of mine is a uh stage manager at, in ohio and he recently became an equity stage manager before covid and now that all happened um but he um he talked about like how many shows he would be doing a year now that he's no longer at that like lower level and now he's at the higher tier now he has less shows than we went, he was at the lower tier. And our, our third friend was talking about this and he was like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, why, you should have more shows since you know, you're getting more pay, you're not, you're a higher rate stage manager. He goes, no, 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 I need downtime. Mm -hmm. I need downtime over the course of, of, of full season to like relax. He's like, so now I don't have to do one of the summer, two of the summer shows. He's like, at the third summer show, I'm just like popping in and out. So that's where the question came from. It was from him asking about that. Um, but I, it's a very subjective thing, I should say. One, you don't have control over how many gigs you book. You're just down. Um, two, you, and we never talk about this like in college or in like training programs. It's just like book, 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 book. But in reality, like your body and your mind need time to recover. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think me and Danielle have both talked about this. Like we've gone hard in the paint and had a couple of times where it's like we've choreographed or been performing months on end with no stopping yep. and like the mental you wear and tear. You a hundred percent. You burn out a hundred and ten percent. I definitely, I was definitely there twice within the past. I would say twice within the past like six years. I've had like. Oh, I would be like working for like three or four months straight on multiple projects. And then I would be like, okay, I can't do anything else. I'm burnt out now. I, um, and that's, I've, I've definitely done that twice to myself. I, in the lot. Yeah. I think in like the last five to six, I think it's probably happened. I know too, because I forced myself to take the summers off. Yeah, exactly. Um, because like the school year I was like choreographing for schools and then like I had my own projects. It was like, it was a lot mm -hmm. all at one time. Um, so I, in response to the question of how many gigs you have to take, I think as many as you are comfortable with and as many as you can do and sustain yourself comfortably, whether that be financially, mentally, physically, because um, some gigs are like one and done where I do them over the, you know, like it's a one day thing or it's like I do them over the course of a weekend and then I never have to think, you know, or like the prep is the day before you shoot the next day. Like, so some of those, it doesn't require a lot out of you. So, you know, you make it 20 of those a year and then you're, you know, and then so, you know, 20 of those a year plus doing two full musicals and you're at 22 gigs in one year that, you know, so it just, I think it's very subjective, but it should definitely be like what works best for you 
And I think it goes back to our last question. What works for you is not necessarily work what works for the person next to you. Yeah. You know, I don't have kids and a spouse. So like right. I'm not concerned about like that. I don't have to factor that in, but I do know several people is like, and you know, I want to be there for my kids first couple months of school or, you know, their graduation. So I didn't take a gig or, you know, I'm not touring right now, you know, different things like that. What about you? Um, well, I also think the word should is very interesting because I agree. I think that especially once you get to, to like high school, if you're in a performing arts school, but definitely once you get to college, it's all about like, you got a book, you got a book, you got to exit, you got a book, you have to do summer stock in between, in between semesters and yep. years of college. A lot of colleges are very big on like, you have to go do summer stock. Mm-hmm. Like as if, as you know, same thing as like people who go to do internships. But I think the word should is very interesting because like you were saying, I agree. I think that a lot of it is up to you. Like if you are booking gigs, you need to decide, is it appropriate to take this gig or not? Like, am I in a position where I feel healthy and I want to do it? Or do I need to take a break? And I, you know what, I'm not going to take this gig. But at the same time, um, there might be years where you don't book anything. Yeah. Where you are auditioning and you don't book anything or in the course of two years, you've booked one little tiny gig and there's no question of should. And absolutely, you might feel down on yourself and like, what am I doing wrong? But it kind of goes back to um, to uh, that question about like, um, how do you deal with, with people booking stuff around you? Like yes. your time, if you keep at it and you're continuing to train and practice and audition and all of that, like your time will come. Like it'll definitely it'll definitely come. You might never be a Broadway star in a big movie or on a, you know, a regular network or Netflix TV show. But in terms of like, will you be a working actor? Like, yes, your time will come. But right now might not be your time. And that might mean that you're not booking anything for a couple of years. And I think that if you, you also need to remember that that's okay. And no, the thing about it is like, nobody's talking about the stuff they're not booking, right? Yes. Everyone's talking about what they are booking. So that's all you're going to hear. You never hear about the people who, the things that they didn't book. Um, uh, David Schwimmer from Friends is like a great example of this. He mm-hmm. had been auditioning, 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 like crazy, crazy, crazy. And had never really like, booked a lot of things and he like went out to LA and like tried all this stuff. Right. Um, and then he ended up getting an audition for friends. And the story that I've been told is that he, um, he basically told his agent, like, all right, I'm going to do this audition, but if I don't get it, like I'm, I'm leaving LA, I'm done with acting. I have been trying for years and I haven't gotten anything. And, you know, of course, like low and, lo and behold, um, he, he got friends, right? But it was years and years and years of auditioning until he got something and something big. And I'm not saying that you'll always get something big. My point being like, you don't hear that story. Nobody talks about that story. And there's so many people who are in the same position, celebrities and not. Um, So I think the, the idea of like should is very hard. Like, no, you, there's no number. Right. And also 
I want to quickly add an age. Like David Schwimmer was 28 when he booked Friends, which is still super young, but it's not like he was 18 and out of high school booking things. So yes. Meryl Streep, didn't she do her first movie or TV thing in like her 30s or late 20s mm -hmm. at the earliest? Like, um, I was going to mention Jane Lynch about the same thing. Like mm -hmm. she... I, it's like one of the before we ever started a lot of people did not know her name i knew her name from the improv scene because she yes. was a second city kid um and so i knew like in her class it was like several big names like uh i think she was she steve carell's class i can't remember but like it's a it's a big old group of them so like she had uh i loved her on party down which is a show like a great oh my show. god so good i was just telling my boyfriend about that we should but, watch like, it if you want a great show like go back and watch party down it's literally it's about a bunch so of good caterers. it's so funny it's about a bunch of caterers it's ridiculous but yeah. like she had national commercials like she was like she had been a working actor for years she just was not a household name yeah. um and several of my favorite actors who, again, if you don't look up their name, you're probably not going to know their names, but they've been booking steadily for years. Cool. And so it's, I, I'm with Danielle. Like, I think it's like, should is just such an operative word because it's like, you, in the process of like, you, you audition and you want, you want, you want these things to happen, but like, sometimes they don't for life reasons. Like, I know plenty of mm -hmm. performers that are literally like big names and smaller that are just like, I took a year off to have a baby or, you know, like I got pregnant. So like I finished shooting the TV show and then I said, miss me next season. Like I'm not doing it. Like yeah. I want to be a mom for a couple months because like the, this life is still your life, you know? So like it's yeah. very hard to go from, you know, set or to in studios or in rehearsals nonstop. Like you have to, you do pass a lot of the normal life thing. So like, Sometimes you want to break for that. And then sometimes you're just trying, you're going so hard that you just feel like nothing is going to happen. Or, sorry, now I remember the big point that I was thinking of. Sometimes it's not the right season for you. And in yeah, the music absolutely. theater world, literally it could be not the right season. There was that's, one year where yeah. all the guitar and music heavy stuff was happening. It was like, yeah. it was Buddy Holiday. Once um, was once, happening. Uh, Buddy Holiday once. Um, and if you're not sorry, if you're not familiar with these shows, these are all guitar heavy shows where guitar heavy and singer shows like Million Dollar Quartet is like several big names and Buddy Holiday. Same thing. Um, once all instrumental. So like instrumentalist singers were having the best year of their life. I do not play any instrument proficiently. So I literally. I remember that audition season where so many of the dancers were being like, oh, they just don't want us right now. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it was, it was nothing. I mean, it just so happened that the rights for all of these shows came out roughly around the same time. And so a lot of the regional theaters and smaller theaters um, got access to them. So of course they were doing, you know, all these great shows that were selling really well. But like, if you didn't grow up playing guitar or violin or, you know, or instrument, like there was no place for you in yeah. those seasons so literally like the dancers didn't book for a year <laughs> you know yeah. i mean and i think that that's a thing right like there are just so many reasons why you might not be booking and you have to go back to it is just not my time right yes. and like yep. we bring up a lot of these a-list celebrity names now but like this happens to people who are just working actors who nobody knows their name mm -hmm. everyone's gonna go through a moment there's there's no one who's just like always worked without a lull. The thing is, you might think that they've always worked without a lull, but again, like I said, nobody talks about before they started booking everything, right? Or the in-between or 
whatever. So um, I think that just, yeah, just remember, like, if you're not booking stuff, it doesn't mean you should give up. It just means it's not right right now. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to question number seven, which is yeah. huh, kind of what we've already discussed a little bit. Uh, tell us your favorite one-day gigs. Or we, I'd say short-term gigs if you don't have any one-day gigs. Um, I'm trying to think. No, I've had a couple of one-day gigs. I'm just trying to think, like, what have I really liked um I took yes, a one day I took a one day gig when I was a senior in college basically being like a dancer at a new year's eve party so an entertainment company which entertainment company do this constantly oh, right actually my favorite gig, hire, gig is they'll hire yeah they'll hire and mo usually models and or dancers to just basically like be at these events and either dance at the events or kind of yeah like mostly like move around and dance at the mm -hmm. events and like just like kind of be this like embedded entertainment that's not like we all need to sit and watch a show um yes. yeah like i was i recently at an event in february when they had where they had like three dancers that they had hired into like anyway so i did one of those gigs when i was a senior in college at like um some fancy uh it was like an mtv uh what was the actress's name she was on orange is the new black but she was like the host of the party and it was up in Vail, yeah. and that was super fun honestly because i barely had to do any work i just had to be like dancing the whole time and they asked me to wear like a cute little black dress and i drank for free so like that was fun okay uh, mine is so close oh, to that too karen, karen manning she was on orange is the new black she was the host of it um but then I also did a one, I also did a one day gig a couple years ago where I did a workshop, a one day workshop with this uh, actor, Henry Hodges, who was in a bunch of Disney musicals growing up. He was in Beauty and the Beast. He was one of the original kids in Mary Poppins. Um, I think he did like some other stuff with them and he ended up writing like a book for them. And so I actually met him and I went with him and did like a one day workshop where we uh, we taught the kids like original choreography to um, Mary Poppins and then also some original choreography from Matilda. And that was just like, just like super fun because those are both like super fun dances and and uh, yeah, that was cool. What about you? Um, I have two really great ones that I can't pick so I'm gonna tell you both. They're short. The first one was like, it was a friend of like, I was in college at the time, but like um, a friend of the family, like her, it was like her, her husband's 50th birthday and his favorite movie is Nerds from like the 80s, 80s, early 90s, late 80s, somewhere around that time. And he was like, we just were hired, we want to hire you and your friend to like dress up like as nerds mm. and jocks and just be at this party. And we were like, okay, sure. And it was, and then like we were like, well, what is like, what's the theme? And they told us it's from the movie Nerd. So of course we all got together and just watched the movie, which is a hilarious like '80s movie. So like we learned lines from the movie, which are like you know nothing for a bunch of kids training to be actors. We learned lines from the movie, and so periodically throughout the move out the party, we would just walk around saying these lines, and the guests at the party got so into it that we were acting out scenes as we we're like drinking and like partying and walking around so like i i basically got paid to go to a party and quote movie lines it was hilarious yeah um and my second favorite one um this just another one day it was 
one, maybe two day gigs, um, but they weren't consecutive. It was this, um, during my internship uh, in Sarasota, Florida, there is a, a Ringling Brothers College, not Ringling Brothers, Ringling College, which is an arts college. And I worked closely with the animation department. Um, and I was doing voiceover work with that department but the CG department, like 3D model department, needed someone to come in and like be a robot walking, a robot cyborg walking through the forest. So basically I was in a giant green screen room with CG's, you know, dots all over me. And I got to just walk in a straight line and look around at things for like three hours and I got paid great money for it. Um, but they just like they needed to take a video of a person and like CG things on it. Mm-hmm. Um, for it was a class, it was their final class project, so like they don't exist anywhere in the world. But like I got to see some of the like editing of them like taking half my face off and putting like robot parts and stuff. So like that was a re- like so fun to see that side of the table and just be like, Meh, it was a it was a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I think you got the next question. Yeah, it's my turn. Um. What's your dream musical to choreograph for? It's hard because there's like categories, right? Right. But I think I have like my overall. Like, because it's not my favorite musical. It's one I want to choreograph to. My favorite musical is a chorus line, but like that choreography set. Um, I think this is really hard. Uh, uh, I would want to do like a, a, an American Idiot or something like contemporary. Yes. I, American I, Idiot would actually be, that's actually on my list. It's like a show that I like, I'm not super into. Like I saw it on Broadway because I like knew someone in it and stuff like that. Um, I've never actually seen it. I do like Green I, Day, but I've never actually seen it. Well, you know, I enjoy Green Day. The show is fine. Right? Like, it's a fun show. It's a short show. It's a 90-minute show. But I actually do think it would be a uh, a super, I agree. I think that would be, like, a super fun contemporary show to choreograph. Yeah, like, I want, I want a contemporary show that, like, where I, I would have to get creative and putting dance in it. That's what I want. Like, mm-hmm. that's, so that's why I think of, like, American Idiot, you know, or, like, a couple productions of, of Rent, where it's, like, is there really dance in there? Oh, you know, so, like, I one of those that would challenge me to, like, put dance in a place where it would continue the story and not hurt the story, which yep. happens so much in contemporary musicals. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I want one of those. Um, I think mine's Rocky Horror. I love, love, love Rocky Ooh. Horror. Huge Rocky Horror fan. I've done one-off, um, like, dance pieces to, like, Time Warp and some other stuff, but I think if I actually got to do the whole show, it would be so much fun. And, again, same, mm-hmm. not, like, a super dancey show, but a lot of movement. Um, I mean, yeah. Time Warp can be dancey, but the other ones are more, like, just movement-based. But I want to do a production of Rocky Horror so badly. That's definitely my, like, dream choreograph show. Yeah, that would be a good one. I never really thought about that. That would um, be a fun I love one. It. So if anyone, if anyone's doing Rocky Horror when this pandemic's over, hit a girl up. That would be a fun one. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It would be so oh. fun. Here's another ridiculously hard question. Who is your favorite choreographer, old and new? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, Fosse's my guy. Like, yeah, he was really mm-hmm. fucked up and shit, but like, 
Foss, like Fossey's my dude. So We're like still doing his work today. So I get it. Are we, yeah. Like, are we considering him old? Like, I guess he would I be think, my I think he would be like an older choreographer. Yeah. Um, and then new, I, I, um, I don't know, you know, there's just like so many, there's so many people out there now that are not big names, but are like just these beautiful choreographers and you don't see them as much. Um, uh, I do love, I love Lauren Adams. She um, is a contemporary dancer and choreographer and her work is just like, can get really emotional and it's very organic. Mm, and intricate and and it's just like you're moving like your your body in all different ways um i think that like her material is just um is really cool and beautiful so i suggest like look her up lauren adams she's like uh definitely like people definitely know her name but is she like you know like no she's not like a huge person but yeah she's uh her work's beautiful for me I'm going to, my old choreographer is Michael Bennett. That one I I know because I've always, again, a chorus line, Dream Girls, Michael Bennett, easy. Yeah. Um, my, I'm going to give a name. I'm looking up her last name now. Oh, wait. While you're looking up the name, yeah. you know who else is my contemporary that I love? So I love Lauren Adams. Still love her. Look her up. Her work's fantastic. I love Camille Brown. Yes. I'll take it. I mean, her, like, her work is just, like, and I can't believe I didn't think of her right away. I think because I was thinking more straight dance, even though she has a dance company, but I was thinking more straight dance versus musical. Um, Neither. But her company, I mean, her company, her choreography is just, like, so beautiful and so rich and so grounded. So, like, yes, Camille Brown. For me, uh, so, again, Michael Bennett. Music, music theater wise he's still one of my favorites and like older choreography again we still do his choreography today like uh his core again he's like fossey his choreo for a chorus line is so cemented that like you have to get permission to not do his choreo yeah um, but as far as contemporary choreographers i um I'm dying to work with this person. Like, I, I don't even, want, I don't want to work with a dancer. Like, I want to train with her as a choreographer. But Tessandra Chavez, mm. who, um, she's, I, like, I mean, she's done So You Think You Can Dance, um, World of Dance. Um, she actually just won. I know she's been nominated for an Emmy, but I'm pretty sure she just won an Emmy for her choreography work, too. But she is one way I love about her is that she is not the standard body type of a dancer, much like myself. Like she's, you know, so take that as you will. But her intelligence about dance is so rewarding. Like I love um, her comments and things about dance on um, Instagram and just publicly, like with young dancers and things like that. Like I just, I love that idea. And she, to me, is pushing the envelope when it comes to like, there, there's recently in the dance world been a large push for like these backup dancers or like ensemble dancers to like kind of form their own kind of dance company. Um, embodiment dance movement, I think that was on World of Dance. Like it's kind of the, those where it's like people, phenomenal dance training, but they've been backup dancers to big names. So like now they're kind of doing their own thing. A lot of the choreo I think I've seen for some of these groups like that, I don't love because I don't think they're develop, developed enough or pushing enough. But her understanding is so wonderful. Like, um, you can find it online, but her performance uh, uh, to the piece, 
Pretty Wings by Maxwell is phenomenal. I think they just she just pushes the envelope so well. Um, so yeah, she's definitely my my new contemporary pick for choreographers. Yeah. Um, okay, this is a fun question and an interesting one. <laughs> it's also it's also like a two parter. Um, how many competitions have you won? Do you think they are important for young dancers? And then uh, he or she says, my mom wants me to stop dancing because she thinks they are bad for the dance world. I mean, like, yeah, kind of, mom. Uh, yeah, like, this, kind of, this is not a straightforward question. Oh, and I know who sent this in. Sorry. Um, be honest. Be very, I'm going to be very honest with a question because this is one of my um, high schoolers that gave this question. Um, so... As far as one competitions, exact number, I do not know because I we've mentioned before, but like I started, I guess you include the middle school one that I told you about at the beginning of the episode. But as far as like regular competitions, like uh, my high school theater competed in, the first show of every season was competition the competition piece. Mm-hmm. We did county, we did regional, we went to state every year, just about every year. We also entered several festivals, and that's not including when I started dancing as well. Like, that was just theater, so, like, exact number, uh, I I know that I'm still in the Georgia record book. I've gone to state enough times that my name is still in the record book now, um, mm-hmm. X amount of years later. Um, and I, all the, like, my high school just transitioned to a new building, so a lot of those trophies still exist. So I've won stuff. Don't have a lot of specifics, but I've won stuff. Um, do you think they're important for young dancers? Yes and no. I think competitions are good for dancers, young dancers, because I think you need to learn that despite how, despite trying to stay positive and all those wonderful things, it is a competition. Mm-hmm. what is gained at the end of the competition changes as you get older. But I think teaching your child to put your best foot forward is a skill that needs to be learned younger. I do, I, you just do, because I mean, like, as it goes back to the question of like, you know, everyone's booking around you and you're bummed out about it. In mine and Danielle's world, if you don't book, you don't eat. Like you're not making money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> booking is how you pay the bills. So, like, you do need to learn that sense of competitiveness that, like, if I don't bring my best foot forward, I'm not going to book this job, which means I got to make money some other type of way, you know? Like, so I do think you need to kind of learn that that when you're younger. I also think you need to learn the nasty side of competition. Like, Mm -hmm. there are some not nice people in this business that you're going to have to work with or that, you know, will throw you under the bus in a heartbeat. And doing competitions as a child taught me that. It taught me to avoid those type of people. It taught me how to deal with those type of people when I had to. So I do think there are, those are positive things that you can learn from that. Um, sorry, we have an ambulance going by, guys. Um, on, on the reverse of that, why I want to say no is that you, 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 some not everyone has a tough enough skin to deal with that harshness of the competition world or to not get bogged down and on, on losing or, you know, like the, the, po- the politics of certain competitions, you know, like I never get the lead role because of uh, the studio owner's daughter always gets it or, you know, like 
Nick Kansas, everybody's favorite. Like, there's a nasty side to it that, like, breaks children mm-hmm. <laughs> in studios, you know? Or, like, there's a lot of underhanded stuff there that, like, can really steal your love of dance or your love of any competition or thing that you do. So I don't think your mom is wrong in asking, you know, like, being like, well, they're the devil. Like, because there are a lot of people that are like, competitions are the devil. And I'm about 50-50 on it myself, and it ranges depending on the day. But I do think that there, there's just a level of caution that has to be put into it if you're going to do it. But I, I think take, take all the lessons from it, but don't let it beat you down would be my answer as to if you need to, if you feel like you need to do competitions. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, how many competitions have I won? I mean, when I was doing competitions, I did them for about two years. You you never won or lost. Like, everyone got a place. It would just be like, um, most of the competitions that I went to, it basically was like, if you're not good enough, you got a bronze. So mm-hmm. it was like, usually like, bronze, silver, high silver, gold, platinum, and then there was like, first place. So in terms of like, how many times did I get first place? I think when I competed for two years and I was in like the same group of, there's like five of us girls, I think we won first place twice. We definitely run, won a couple of golds. We definitely won a bun, uh, like a bunch of silvers and high silvers. We never got a bronze, but most competitions, at least when I was competing in dance competitions where like everyone got some sort of- Yeah, it's still kind of that way. But it was really like, like, I remember, like, uh, like it's star power, for instance. It was, like, the bare minimum you want at star power is a high silver. If you don't get a high silver, you basically sucked. Silver and bronze were, like, not good. And then in other competitions, it would be, like, silver is good, but bronze is, like, basically, like, you got a bronze because you weren't good enough. Um, but definitely a couple. Um, do you think they're important for young dancers? I agree with you. I think there's a yes and no. I think that there's a lot that can be gained from doing them. Exactly what you said. I don't want to just like repeat everything that Tony said. Um, but I think in terms of like teaching kids how to deal with winning and losing respectfully, teaching kids that the world is a competition, especially if you're going to go into auditioning as you get older. I think that it's a really good segue into that. Just knowing what it's like to be up in front of a judge. I think it teaches mm-hmm. like the performance values, um, being like on your A game the whole time. I think there's a lot of good stuff and there can be a really nice community and family with it. Uh, but at the same time, there's also a lot of nastiness and that nastiness can be taken either way. You can learn from it and grow um, or it can really beat you down. I think the biggest thing is what is your studio doing? or your company doing. If your company or your studio is one that like is teaching you how to win and lose respectfully, just putting their best foot forward in terms of what type of product they're putting out on stage and Mm -hmm. teaching a a respectful, wholesome community of, of dancers competitively or theater kids competitively together, then I think it's great. If the studio or company you're at is fostering this negative, attack each other, so-and-so always gets the lead thing, then no, I don't think that they're, that they are good for you. Um, Tony and I have talked a lot about this on a bunch of episodes. Competitions have changed a lot over the past five to 10 years. And I think not, not all of them for the better. Yes. Um, and so I, I think like that's that. also really, really hard and really sticky too. But uh, yeah, take, take that. Um, I would agree. What age is a good age to retire from the dance world? 
though, whatever age you want. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this on other episodes before too. Like if you are done with performing, if you are done dancing, you're done acting, you're done singing, you're done choreographing, you're done directing, whatever you do, if you're just done, cool, you're done. You don't want to exactly. do it anymore. That should be a-okay. There's no age limit. Um, it's up to you. If your body is supporting you and healthy and you can dance till you're 50, 60 years old, then by all means do it. If your body is not healthy and not supporting you and you're 18, yeah, I think you need to look at that and decide is it worth it or not. But it's all up to you. There's no good age. It's up to you and your body and the situation that you're in. So true. I There's just no other way. It's so true. Like, uh, there are dancers that are in their 50s still on point dancing. You know, like, I, yeah. They're, the Gina age- Rivera, I mean, the last time she did a Broadway show, she was like 80-something. She was 82 when she did the visit, and I'm very sad I didn't get to see it. It still burns. Um, or Judith Life was... Her and Cicely Tyson both were not 70-something. No, Cicely Tyson might have been older than that when she did Trip to Bountiful, and Judith Light, I can't remember. But, like, women well... Right. Both of them well into later in their lives and are still going, you know, as performers yeah. and dancers. And so, like, I'm, I'm very much the mindset you are as young as you feel, and I think you, you take, if you're taking care of your body and know your body... Age is such a fictitious thing because, like, I have been, I have danced beside 20 somethings. I was like, oh, I'm kicking and going better than y'all. I'm definitely in my 30s, you know. And then there's other times where I was like, oh, nope, I do not have it this week, y'all. Sorry, body's feeling a little old. So, I, I think, I, I, I think this is such an irrelevant question now. Do I think 10, 20 years ago this was a much more valid question? Absolutely, yeah. because society and the, the industry felt a way about it and the and people felt a way about it, you know, differently. Yeah. But I think as we've in the last, you know, two decades started to really push an emphasis on healthcare and how we take care of our bodies, like dancers' bodies are lasting long, or you know, health we, we've done this on the show before talking about healthy habits, like those positive and healthy things have reinforced so dancers are starting to have longer careers because their bodies aren't tearing down, you know, at 18. And I agree with you. I think the concept of of what we put out is different these days. Like, yeah, absolutely. In the 40s, 50s, 60s, they would be like, nope, you're too old to dance now. Now everyone's like, I don't give a shit. So I think just the content's changed. Or even to, like, to an extent, like some of the – like Broadway, it always cracks me up. This has been true for at a, a, more than two decades. But like, generally speaking, Broadway ingenues are not young or juveniles are not young. Like the lead people in a musical are not. Yeah, like a lot of times they're like, if if a principal is under twenty five, it's shiny and new and spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> like these lead girls are not. I want to say Anastasia. Was oh, she was, um, what? Was she 28 when she started Anastasia on Broadway? No, I think she was older because she's older than us, for sure. 
Oh, I'm that means she's in her mid-30s. As you <laughs> so. continue to talk, I'm going to Google it because now I want to know. I, same. But I just, like, it's something I have, I often found funny. Like, first time I saw, like, a Broadway show where, like, the lead guy is supposed to be, like, young and handsome. And he was a very attractive man and the woman she was very attractive to. But, like, when I met them at the stage door, I was like, oh, you're not 12. You look 12 on stage. But under, you know, with the stage makeup's wiped off and the lights aren't on you, you don't look you know, like a teenager anymore, no. you know, like this young hopeful. And then like being growing in the industry, I learned more like no one is going to mount an entire Broadway show on someone that's a smooth 21, 22. Like that's not what you do. You find somebody that looks the part, but ain't the age. So like, I, I think age it's, it's, and again, I've also seen several projects from several women that have gotten women in particular, um, that have gotten older that were really successful when they were younger and like people stopped calling them when they got older as if their talent went away. Um, and so I've seen them make a really big push for like certain pieces. So, you know, certain shows and films and things like that to still happen for older talent. So I definitely think ageism is under attack and I don't think it will survive. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So Chrissy Altomare, who was Anastasia on Broadway, um, I mean, she had been in one Broadway show before Anastasia when she was in her mid or late 20s. But when she, when Anastasia hit Broadway, that first preview performance, she was 31 years old. The, first of all, kudos her. She did not look. Oh, yeah. I, didn't, girl, I girl. saw her near the end of the run. Girlfriend does not. Girlfriend does not look third. I think she's like about to be thirty-four. Girlfriend does not look thirty-four years old. Oh, go and I, I encourage all of you. First of all, so, uh, Anastasia is a beautiful show. Go look at those clips online. That girl does not, but does not look like she's aged at all. But that's also the thing is that like, you know, twenty year, twenty thirty years ago, thirty-four, they'd be like, uh, retire. You're done. Right. No, she right. was a lead vehicle to musical. Right, like, exactly. I think so objective. I think age is just so objective. I agree. Okay, our last question, which I'm excited to talk about this one because I have something in common with it. Um, I mean, I had stuff in common with all of them, but you'll see. Um, I need surgery on my knee and I don't want to get it. Will the recovery time be, uh, the, the, will the recovery time be so long? What should I do? Um, before you answer that question, Tony, I want to know, do you happen to know what, like, what is wrong with their knee, what the surgery is? So this, um, dancer is, has had several pulled muscles mm -hmm. in and around their knee and mm -hmm. they're like the, the bones and muscles are getting displaced from yeah. all wear and tear. Um, and so I'm ready. They, Let's talk about it. And so essentially the surgery is to go in and repair mm -hmm. and, you know, check and check, open it up, check and see how deteriorated things are. If any bones are deteriorating, maybe do some slight metal replacements, you know, mm -hmm. look and see how healthy things are and make a plan going forward, but to go in and strengthen. So I actually want to, start talking about this you know no, i know it's go, go, go. You can go first. First. because i am in a i had a similar situation um uh, my right patella which is your kneecap is permanently dislocated your kneecap is a ball and socket joint so um if you were to take one hand and like cup it and take another hand and put it inside and they like rub together that's how your mm -hmm. ball and socket joint should work 
with a dislocated patella, it sits on one side of the edge of the bone and it is constantly grind. They're constantly grinding against oh, each other. She so your patella is the thing that is displaced, but it is being ground down. And then the side of your whatever bone or tendon is next to your patella, which I don't know, that is also being ground down. It causes a lot of stress and tension on the hamstrings. Yes. A lot. Yep. Um, and it also um, causes a lot of stress and tear on the ligaments that are keeping it together. So I um, injured myself when I was 15. I ended up going to see an orthopedic surgeon. Um, he was the guy that diagnosed it. He was able to tell just from asking me to walk back and forth down the hallway in a pair of shorts, feeling my knee, having me bend it, having me do some dance moves really great about that was able to diagnose it um i never got surgery and i didn't get surgery because i was 15 and i wasn't done growing and he did not advise for surgery he said it it is not at least at the time things may have changed this was back in like 2000 and like i don't know five four something like that right so like things may have changed um but at the time he did not advise against it specifically in general and specifically for minors because minors were not done. Um, I was not done growing and I would basically need to have my complete, my entire kneecap replaced with something plastic or metal. Um, there's no taking your kneecap, your actual bone and just like putting it back in place. That's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he even said that um, as an adult, it was truly in only 60%, 100%, 60% full 100% recovery rate as an adult, meaning that that the disc could slip, could grind back, meaning that those muscles would never, might not ever repair themselves fully and gain full control of again, meaning that that's the thing, right? Only a 60% chance that you would, you would make it to 100%, you would feel like you were a kid again. Um, I went to an entire year of physical therapy, AKA I did not dance at all. I wasn't allowed to dance. I was in PT three times a week. Um, I learned how to tape, to physically move my kneecap and tape it into place with sports tape. When I started dancing again, I also was in a rather um, hefty knee brace for about like the first three months and while I was also going to PT and then we moved to a lighter knee brace. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a pain. I never got surgery. Um, once in a while, my knee still bothers me. If I'm choreographing heavily or teaching heavily, my knee will start to bother me. I might tape it into place. I'll ice it. I go on this rant because my biggest thing would be, especially if it sounds like this person has similar to what I have gone through, um, I would yes. urge into getting a second opinion, especially if they're under 25, because 25 is really when you stop growing, I would caution against surgery, especially if whatever doctor they're going to is saying like, oh, we're going to open you up and see what the damage is and then decide to go from there. You're going to have to spend time recovering after they open you up and don't fix anything. And, and that's a very sticky situation. Um, I will also say that when I was in college, I tore meniscus. And I went to one doctor who said, we have to do a scope surgery and you're going to be on crutches for six weeks. And I refused to take that. And I went to another doctor who said, 
nope, you're fine. We'll give you a cortisone shot. You'll come back for a couple appointments and you have to rest it. And you just have to be like really careful for a couple of weeks staying off of it. But no, you do not need a surgery. So I would say get a second opinion. And I would say talk to a physical therapist. Um, surgery, unless it's like an ACL tear, I would, I would do surgery. What it knowing more deep, so this is a student of mine. This person is college, almost done with college, so not quite 25. The big thing that I would say to let's start with the blanket question if you're needing surgery, I always take it a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Always, 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 always. If it is determined because the I, I'm don't know if they've got a second opinion. But a lot of the things you say, you've just said, are things I've heard her say to me mm-hmm. um, about the wear and tear on her knee and things like that. The only hesitation I have, I'm kind of twofold. This has been a persistent injury that she's not taking care of very well. So she might be ground down, the muscles and bones might be ground to the point where if they're saying we need to go in and take a look, things might need to be replaced because of mm-hmm. that. So knee replacements happen. So I... If, it, if they're like, we need to replace your knee because like walking could be a challenge for you. Absolutely. Then you got to do it. I would say that to any, I, I, my general rule is like, take care of your body guys. Like you only get one body, how we dance, recovery, all those things are different and can, you know, there are wonderful ways you can look at that. But if, you know, if you got two medical professionals telling you, you might need surgery, you might need surgery. On the reverse of that, I just want to talk about recovery and things like that. Yeah. It is so different for every single person. You know, it's one of those things of like, I told a similar story to another student with another knee problem um, on the show before. Like, taking a year off from dance doesn't mean you're never going to dance again, guys. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I think that's what I really want to get to with the heart of like, the, you know, the recovery. Get a second opinion talk to people you trust, you know, me and this dancer have had private conversations about this as well, you know, um, and it's one of those things of where I would say that, like, it's okay to take some time off to heal your body so that this doesn't get worse, you know, so that you can come back stronger, you know, like, it's one of those things of, like, I I know, I just know too many dancers are afraid to go to doctors and hear the worst possible thing, but I'm like, no, God. No, I was going to say, I agree with you. And I think like, that's the thing, right? I think number one, get a second opinion. If two doctors or two surgeons say we have to go in and look at it, you got to go in and look at it because it yeah. might be that they are in their twenties now or, or late teens, early twenties, and they've never taken care of it and it's been persistent and now it's a problem, right? If the second surgeon says, I don't think so, ask for a PT referral, go to yes. PT. Mm-hmm. But I, as I just said, even though I never got surgery, I did take a year off of dance and theater. And I was in, I was 15 years old and going to physical therapy three times a week and wearing a knee brace. But then after a year, I was back to being in shows and and going to dance class. And I was a dance major in college. And so um, at the end of the day, I don't think I even learned about Danielle's injury until we talked about it on the podcast. It's what? I don't even think I learned about your injury until we talked about it on the podcast. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, like me and Danielle had danced together before, and I still had, hadn't known. Yeah, it's just you know at this point it's so old. So I'm like, like that's like 
sidebar, like if I ever go to like a like a new workout class and they're like, does anyone have knee injuries? I usually don't even say anything because I'm like, I know how to deal with it. Like, I'm not right. even going to bother you with it because I know me, I know my body. We good. Like, it has been a solid 16 years with this injury now. That's I feel with a back injury I have where I'm like, eh, it only flares up every blue moon. We're fine. Right, today. exactly. And but that's the thing is like you need to take time to recover. So surgery or no surgery, you're gonna have to do yes. something. No surgery, you're probably gonna have to go to PT. Surgery, you gotta do surgery, right? But like you will be fine taking a year off. And I get it. I get especially that like coming out of college age, like that's that's the scary one, right? Because you're like, no, I gotta hit the ground running. They told me I gotta book, book, book. But it will be more beneficial for you to take the time off now and heal and then be able to kill it moving forward. Also, there is a pandemic happening right now. It is going to be a couple of months until shows are even okay, thinking about going back to rehearsal. So oh, yeah. get your surgery now, start your PT now. That's why this question came reiterated to me is because at, at collectively across the world, like, right, I shouldn't say it's for the world specifically here in the United States, things are, have fought, the rest of the country is finally slowed down to catch up with New York. And so like, thing, you know, projected dates for things to be open and be functioning again, keep getting pushed back. And this particular person, this particular dancer, like, essentially the family has looped back around to this question again, being like, with so many things shut down again, like, now's a good time to get surgery if you need surgery because like you're already home you know like you know everything I mean, it truly is and so even reaching out to her dance teachers and, and mentors and yeah stuff, being like so about this so it also makes me wonder if she hasn't already gotten a second opinion but she's just withholding because mm -hmm. she's just again it's i do i think you hit it on the head the hit the ground running thing is so drilled into you when you go to school for performing that they just ignore everything else a lot of the times. Um, and I, I went through a very similar thing where I struggled with this. Um, like I said, I had a family member pass away four days before I graduated college. So like it threw a lot of weird emotions at me that I was not prepared for dealing with grief, but also like graduating and being like, hit the ground running. And I was like, ah, too many emotions. Um, so I definitely get that like mixture of just how they train us and things like that. Yeah. But you're gonna have to recover. Like it, that's, I think that's the one clear thing I can say, whether you do surgery, don't do surgery, whether you have an injury, like me and Danielle both have been in physical therapy. We've both done the gambit of like, I'm forced to take time off. You know, I've been in the situation where I should have taken time off. Like I talking about the situation I told you guys earlier, like that was a very crazy year of my life where I was very, very sick with like sinus issues on crutches for the very first time and physical therapy for the first all of that happened in the yeah. same year for me you really it makes more sense to try to to be proactive as proactive as you can be in this situation it's gotten to this point now instead of being like well but things are saying like there's on you know there's video auditions and things are going to start in august and even if things do start in august again like fix it now get better yes. now because the world is going to continue at some point, and wouldn't you rather be healthy and not have to take take time off then? Yeah, like that—that's just the other way I can put it. And this is also just a very young question, where I'm just like, trust me, for someone that's been dancing longer than I thought I was going to be, like your body—you get one, 
take care of it now because yeah. the last thing you want is to book the job of your dream and then you can't do it because your body's falling yes. apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are at Point PYT on all social media platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Clantwell. See you next week on Point Your Toes. Point Your Toes.